0: Although I've seen some scripts, I know the words weren't spelled, right? There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important.
1: Hey, you wanna get on the train here or you wanna ruin another take, huh? It's too to read will. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film.
0: Man, I don't drop character
2: till I've done a DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to
3: get to Bremen. Welcome to another episode of the In the Mouth of Dorkness chatcast. Wait a second. It's not just another episode, it's the great big 50th episode. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> That's right. Episode 50 of the It Mod chatcast channel. And I am joined today by Brian Young, the turtle dork. What's up, Brian?
0: What is going on? Yes, I am here.
3: Lisa Gullickson, wife dork. What's going on, Lisa?
4: Not much, Brad Gullickson.
3: Not much. is the 50th episode.
4: Oh, other than that, it's been really quiet. So
3: here <laughs> we are celebrating five zero episodes of the It Mod Chatcast channel. I cannot believe that we are actually here. Um, like, like seriously, I, I cannot believe that we have done 50 episodes of this show. Yeah. I'm proud
4: of us. Let's pat each other on the back.
3: I'm super proud of us. It's It hasn't even been a year. Uh, that we've been doing the Itmod chatcast channel. Wow. Um, and we have talked to so many amazing and rad filmmakers, actors, directors, producers, costume designers, uh, film composers. it's it's just been a true pleasure, an honor. And uh, I am gobsmacked every day. And I wanted somebody really, really cool, to take us into the next phase of the It Mod Chatcast channel. the Episode 50 had to be uh, a, a big get, right? Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, I'm stunned that we were able to have both Jesse and Leonard Malton on the show.
0: Super, super cool.
3: Super cool. Yes. You know, Legends. Obviously, Leonard Malton's movie guide has meant – a lot to the dork community. Uh, he, he is somebody that I grew up watching on Entertainment Tonight.
0: Absolutely obscene.
3: Uh Reading his reviews, uh, getting mad at any time he would give a movie a bomb. Yes. Just in, absolutely infuriated me. Uh, how dare he say anything bad about John Carpenter's The Thing? Yes. Uh, at the same time, though, he would review everything. Like, his movie guides were filled with everything, and that's because he had a crack shot team of writers working for him to get those books produced. And one of those writers was a very young Jesse Bolton. Uh, and he he and Jesse would then take their – Love and passion for film into the podcast world onto the Nerdist Network with Malton on Movies. And they do what we do, but they get even greater guests. They just had Ted Sarandos of Netflix on the show. Yeah, I saw that.
0: Whoa!
3: That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and so it was great to talk to them about what they do and their point of view on interviewing. Um, and it was also just great to, you know, say thank you to Leonard for all the good work that he has done in his career. Uh how did this happen? Well, like a lot of great things on the ItMod Chatcast channel, it occurred because of the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. Uh, our official home. Mm-hmm. And they had just celebrated the 10th anniversary, uh, as as you know, if you're a subscriber, because you just listened to the Matthew Modine episode. Uh, and the Animal Draft House in Winchester, Andy Geyerson's programmer has brought a lot of really great talent to celebrate that uh, 10-year anniversary. And he got Jesse and Leonard to uh, fly across the United States to show... Two really cool things. Well, to host two really cool things. Uh, one night they sh- showed three short films and had a discussion with the crowd. The short films were Hollywood It Girl. Uh, what was the Snub Pollard short film? Oh my gosh, it's a gift. Thank you Brad for remembering that. And a little rascals short. Yeah, that's one um, I remember. And you you came to that night, mm-hmm. Brian? The
0: first night, yep.
3: And then the second night they had a secret screening of Alexander Payne's debut film uh, uh Citizen Ruth, which I had never seen before, and I really really enjoyed that. Um so I don't know, like at, I uh, I've said why they they are important to me. Do you guys have anything you want to contribute to the Leonard and Jesse
0: conversation? I think just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, like I think for us at uh, with our with with our era, with our demographic and um, you know growing up is a bit nostalgic to you know to be able to converse and meet uh, Leonard Maltin because he kind of came up around the same time as like a Cisco and Ebert so it was like Sisko, Ebert Leonard Maltin I remember just staying up late watching E.T. you know looking for his reviews about certain movies um, and to now you know now with this kind of new era of podcasting that he's doing with his daughter uh, Jesse Malton, and to have the opportunity to meet him it's a bit of a surreal Very experience strange, yeah. you know to see this man that I kind of grew up with watching as a kid in my bedroom like listening to uh, uh, a lot of his reviews on TV. It's just so surreal. How about you, Lisa?
4: I was introduced to Leonard Malton by Doug Benson's podcast Doug Loves Movies. Okay. I did not grow up as a film nerd and um, I'm a little bit younger than you guys. I'm about five or six years younger than you guys. Just a baby. I was just a babe. Um... So uh, on his podcast, he would play a game called the Leonard Malton game, where he where the origins of it is he would take one of those big Leonard Malton books, and he would throw it open, and it was kind of like name that tune, but it was actors, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Okay. Yeah. And um, and yeah, that's how I heard about it, and and they played it you on the podcast using the Leonard Malton app, which is now defunct. So now they just lo- no longer play the game. But I did go to a live taping of Doug Love's movies and in uh, San Diego, in San Diego at one of our first or second Comic Cons. And I made a name tag. If you guys listen to Doug Love movies, you know why that's important. And my name tag said, I'm Lisa and I'm an emetophobe. And Leonard Malton picked my name tag and he lost the Leonard Maltin game and it was a very, very special evening for me. Yeah, And we
3: sat with uh, Leonard's wife, Alice, who was super cool.
4: Yeah, there there was another couple there that that was trying to like get her to get him to pick their name tag.
3: Yeah, we were fighting. We were fighting. Yeah, they didn't know that we were fighting, but
4: we were. And he didn't. It didn't work.
3: It didn't work. It didn't work. Anyway, so they're an amazing film uh, family. Uh, This conversation is super geeky and And wonderful, and I think you guys are all going to really love it. It is certainly worthy of the ItMod Chatcast Channel's 50th episode. So let's get into the conversation, and we'll meet back on the other side to close it out. (laughs) And we are back at the Alamo Draft House, Winchester, Virginia, in our favorite projection room. Uh, We are—I'm using the royal (laughs) we. I'm going royal we. We are joined by. Two very, very special guests, Jesse Malton and Leonard Malton. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. This is very surreal. I'm very <laughs> excited to have you on the podcast. I've it's never a-
2: been called surreal
3: before.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah, well,
3: I- you are. I was going to say, to
1: think that I got to watch you eat shrimp and grits today. Yes,
3: shrimp and grits. Beautiful
1: bonding experience. It was,
3: at Bonnie Blue in Winchester, Virginia. Shout out to Bonnie Blue. Yes. Um, I wanted to kick off this uh, conversation by presenting... Leonard with a pin. I know you're a lapel pin fan. Yes. And I'm sure you have this lapel pin already, or this pin. But even if you do, don't tell me, because it's really just about me giving you a pin. Okay. Understood. And it is the William Holden Quaker cereal pin. Yes. I've seen photos of your pin collection, and I know you have Quaker It is pins. vast, <laughs>
4: it is so vast. So I
3: imagine you already have uh,
2: a William Holden one. I may well, mm-hmm. but I don't know for sure. All right. I have others in this series, but I, I never tried to collect the whole series because- I
1: don't think you have this one. There's
2: like 50 of them or something. You know? There's a lot of I, them. I
1: know his pins oh, because yeah. I am the keeper of pins. Okay. I don't think you have this All one. Right. Well done you and yay, thank you. Yay, yay, very <laughs> much.
3: I also brought you in the mouth of darkness pins. Yay, can
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> we just talk about that presentation?
3: Yeah, right, right out of my pocket. <laughs> unison. I, I have them prepared. Um, cool. What cool. I love about your podcast, Malton on, on movies, is it, it does what I would like to in the mouth of darkness to do, where it celebrates the craft, the artistry, but also just the passion that comes into every film from both sides of the screen, behind the, you know, behind the scenes and uh, the audience. What when you guys decided you were gonna do Malton on movies, what was the thesis of what your podcast was going to be. Well, the
2: podcast kind of evolved. Not to make a long-winded answer, but, but please, I, it do. started uh, with a format that I created with my then-partner, very talented actor and comedian named Baron Vaughn.
1: Well, hang on. There, there is something important to know about my dad. Hmm. If my mom or I suggest something, it is not good enough. But if a stranger comes to him, he's in. Mm-hmm. So i had been saying you should probably do something like a podcast. That would be really great for you. Got nowhere with it. Earwolf came around and said, "After I was on
2: Mark Maron's podcast, and
1: said, would you want it?' And suddenly, as if by magic, someone wants to have a podcast. Now proceed."
2: <laughs> well, there we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Baron got busy with uh, actual work, paying work, and
1: he's on uh, Grace and Frankie and yeah, doing yeah. all yeah. sorts of. stuff.
2: So he great. he got really busy, and we couldn't continue doing the show. Jesse started filling in. And uh, she also filled in for me. Yeah, he was. I got sick at one point, and she filled in for me while she was traveling overseas, uh, Skyping in.
1: Yeah.
2: uh, The magic of technology. And, uh, but she was really good. I was not
1: very
2: good. We uh, we just started doing it. And uh, we're in our fourth year now. Yeah. So, but
3: um, what is your idea of what? Like, when you were doing Mulan movies, when you evolved into this next phase, what was your idea uh, to present it? How did you want to tackle these conversations?
2: There was no master plan. Yeah. The plan was simply to, to, to try to uh, book—it sounds like a clinical word—but try to try to book interesting people that we wanted to meet. Yeah and spend an hour ta- or so talking to.
1: And as you see from earlier episodes, it wasn't necessarily all guests. Mm-hmm. We also did stuff about animation or we'd talk about VHS. And that's still something that I like us to do when we can, but we've been so spoiled with great guests that you don't... That's the thing. You don't want to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have fantastic people being offered to you, as much as I'd like to do something on maybe this, well, but I'd also like to speak to this person. The, the dream... I've always asked my dad, I ask him often what's your dream right now? What would be the dream right now? And uh, and as he'll tell you, my dad is not a big picture person. He looks at sort of like, what are we doing now? What's happening? I'm the person that goes, and then one day we'll make it. You know, that's that's just how I am. But he'd always said that his dream would be to have a Charlie Rose type show. Long form interview, relaxed, uh, comfortable. And I think that... The most fortunate thing is because my dad has had the career he's had, people know him and they trust him, so when we have a guest come in, they already know that it's going to be a safe place. and No
2: ambush questions. Yeah, know, no sabotage, right? If
1: someone wants to discuss something difficult, they can. It's, it's theirs to choose, but we will never, ever... Do anything that makes them uncomfortable. So when I am talking to publicists about it and they ask me, what's the show? I said, honestly, it's an hour-long celebration of the person Mm -hmm. because we only choose people we like, you know? We're not like a Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or anybody else named Jimmy who, you know, has to have whatever, it's their movies this week, they're doing the rounds. We choose. So when we say, like, sometimes I do feel funny that every week I'm going, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge, but I am. Mm -hmm. And so is he.
2: Yeah, we, we never had a guest forced on us. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and you know, uh, we're excited. W- which is true of almost every conventional talk show, yeah. right? No, no offense to those shows. It's just the, the way the game, the game is played. yeah. And
1: especially nightly, right? If you've got five nights a week, that's a lot.
2: It's uh, publicity. It's they're, right.
3: exactly. they're selling something.
2: Right. Exactly. So we have we have the luxury of choice. Mm-hmm. We choose our yeah. guests. Yeah. And uh, and and we we've been very very fortunate. Yeah. I mean, you know. Mel Brooks, Angela Lansbury, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, P- Al Pacino, uh, people like that, you know, you don't uh, get a chance to talk to every day of the week.
1: But then also people we love that not everyone will know. So like Dale Dickey, mm-hmm. you know, you asked you asked us while we were having our delicious southern lunch, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brits, yeah. you know, some of the people. Well, I can tell you that on my list, it's people like Patrick Wilson and, mm. uh, you know, Billy Crudup and all kind, Aaron uh, Eckhart. You know, there's a lot of those people who I love because they are chameleons and they do so many cool things, but they don't necessarily get interviewed all that much. Uh, I love talking to them. And for me, having Dale Dickey on was a thrill. It really was. I was so excited because that woman is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's really cool to talk to Amy Adams, and she's a lovely person and really smart, all of that. But we also love... Talking to people that excite us. We had Caleb Deschanel on recently, who you also interviewed. A
2: great cinematographer. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, everyone. Everyone has stories. And. And
2: James Gray, one of my favorite contemporary filmmakers. I loved Ad Astra.
1: Yeah. So I liked it a lot. I liked it. That have you? If you, I recommend that episode if you're someone who has been having conversation. Where is film at right now? What's going on? Because what happened with that episode is, unlike any other we've done, James didn't necessarily want to talk about his films. He kind of wanted to talk about film mm. and how things are changing and shifting and what we all feel. And,
2: and he's so bright.
1: He's God, He's so smart and articulate. And, you know, he, he's a wonderful person to talk to. And so that episode for me is very special. Yeah. And um, we let it run long. Yeah, we let it go. Uh, Danny Houston was fantastic. I mean, just fantastic, so.
2: Anyway, so that's that's what we've been up to. Right,
3: so when you seek out to celebrate a life of Danny Houston, yeah. James Gray or, or whoever, what is your strategy of preparing for that conversation? Oh, uh, well.
1: It depends. If someone is offered, a lot of times it's to promote something. Not always, but m- most of the time it's to promote something. So sure. in some cases, it's as simple as you have to watch whatever their new movie is, new album, whatever it might be. We just interviewed Diane Warren. The show hasn't gone up yet, but part of it was she's just written this song that Chrissy Metz sings in this new movie. They wanted to make sure we'd heard the song. Um, you know, I didn't need to. She's, have... she's a
2: ten-time Oscar nominee. Yeah, yeah. Ten so, t- so over thirty-one years.
1: That's it. So for her, it, what didn't nah, require much homework? Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so sometimes it's as simple as that. It's watching that movie. Um, my dad really likes to, he'll, he'll go onto YouTube sometimes and watch interviews with them.
2: Just to get a sense of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, not to hear their answers necessarily to specific questions. Mm-hmm. Just to get a sense of what they're like. Yeah. And uh, whether they have a sense of humor, you know, whether they, yeah. how they present themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, But uh, I, I like to prepare, I like to prepare as best I
3: can. Well, we were talking beforehand, and you know, you go all over the country talking about all kinds of things. You know, you were just in D.C. talking about Churchill through cinema. Yeah. And you yeah. were saying how you watched as much we Churchill at, uh, in cinema well, as was
1: Well, I
2: was going to be giving a, a speech to this a very
1: specific in, talk. Yeah, in Churchill Society. <laughs> right.
2: I mean, that's a you know that could be a tough crowd if I don't know my stuff.
1: Yeah. It helps. My mom collects Royal British commemoratives and is a serious Anglophile, Anglophile, which made me, she raised me to be Anglophile, Mm -hmm. which is why I married a British Mm -hmm. person. Um, But uh, so she she was also very useful for that. But in general, he just was sitting and watching and watching and watching. But the impression that I get
3: from both of you is that even if you were not doing what you're doing, you would be obsessing and. Oh, yeah. You know, freaking out over cinema, loving cinema. Yeah. Like, this is just yeah. what you do. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a lifelong love affair.
4: Yeah.
3: And I feel like so much of film conversation right now is about the now, what is coming out in theaters, what people are promoting. Uh, but in having conversations like you're having on Malton on Movies, you're celebrating the long history of film, you're putting out uh, films that people don't necessarily talk about on Twitter right now. how important is it to you to keep that
2: history alive? Crucially, I, I know well, the answer yeah you, yeah. you, <laughs> you do because uh, uh, th- I care deeply about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I care deeply about uh, if you ask any critic I, I think they would tell you that the thing that they uh, he enjoy never gives most. himself
1: credit credit he never. Not everyone, Daddy.
2: You. You
1: love to do these sorts of things. I
2: love to call attention to films that haven't gotten Mm -hmm. gotten the attention I think they deserve. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wrote a book called uh, The 151 Best Movies You've Never Seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the whole premise of the book. Uh, And uh, I do this on an ongoing basis. Uh, When I see a film that I really like and it doesn't take off or doesn't get great reviews or sometimes gets great reviews but still doesn't catch on... Mm -hmm. Uh, that becomes a candidate, becomes an orphan that I want to adopt Mm -hmm. and then champion.
3: I feel like right now I am much more interested in how people curate, how people celebrate, how people share their passion than if a movie comes out and it's, you know, dog do or whatever. Like, I, I really don't want to spend too much time reading the negative reviews. I'm yeah. Yeah. much more interested in what people are saying positive about yeah. that film. Um, you're nodding your head. Why? Do you, how do you feel about the state of celebration and passion and talking about passion right now in film conversation? Well,
2: I, you know, there are just a handful of critics I check in on as often as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's partly because I respect them and I respect their opinion, but also it's because I enjoy reading a good essay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm reading something, I'm not looking for an opinion. I've already seen the movie. First off, I'm not going to read a review of a movie I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. I may, or I confess, I may glance at the headline, you know, just to get, you know, or a the taste.
1: In, the in email comes yeah. through, yeah. you know, you yeah. see.
2: But I'm going to have already seen the film. So I, I want a review that's going to uh, illuminate. Uh, th- things about this movie that maybe I didn't recognize or didn't uh, perceive on my own, uh, explain things, uh, uh, throw out ideas that I didn't uh, uh, think of on my own. And, and that's a satisfying review to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so that's what I'm looking for. Some people are just looking for uh, a Consumer Reports, you know, uh, good right. or bad, you know, type right. of review.
3: yeah.
2: And I understand that, that's, you know, that, that's what some people, that's a, all they need. Sure. Or oh, all they
3: want. And I think for a lot of people it is,
2: it costs a lot of money to go out to the movies. Oh, sure. Right? It's a lot. Over the years that I was doing my movie guide, uh, you know, people would say, you've saved me a lot of money. Yeah. Over the years. Yeah. And I would say, you've saved me a lot of time, but, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to each his own. Um,
1: and what's the thing I will always hold against you? Hmm. No? What's the movie that you made me go see? We will never get those two hours back.
2: Well, there's so many. No, I know,
1: but do you remember this one? It's an old one. No. Glitter.
2: Oh, Oh, gosh. He
1: made me see Glitter with Mm. him, and when it ended, I said, till the day I die, I will never forgive you because I'm never getting these two hours back, Mm. you know? Mm. Ever.
3: Do those movies, though? Do they? St- I mean, clearly, glitter stuck with <laughs>
1: you. Glitter, glitter stuck in a big way. Uh,
3: but uh, but do you find that when you go to a movie and you find you hit disappointment? Does the disappointment stick around, or do you move on? Depends
1: on the movie. I think that one was so was so bad that you know movies like. Look, Showgirls has this life of its own. Sure does. And people are obsessed with it. And you know, it, it is a very funny thing to see a movie be so bad it becomes next level. It's got
3: a documentary um, on it right now. I know, you don't right? Know me.
1: Um, I I know you don't know. But it's so good. <laughs> uh, you know, I I always jo- I love Con Air. It's one of my favorite terrible movies just ever. And I've watched it so many times. I cannot even guess how many times. Um, so it sort of depends. There are moments that we've shared in a theater, like we talk about when we saw Black Swan together. Uh-huh. And very specifically, I said to my dad, "It's
2: debut screening at the Telluride, the Telluride
1: Film, Film Festival." Film Festival <laughs> and halfway through, and the way we describe it is, we looked at each other, in the same. We looked at each other like the audience looks during the springtime for Hitler number. <laughs> and the producers and the two of us were just like <laughs> why and i'll never forget it we
2: didn't say a word we I didn't never sound. we just looked at each other like and, and why and we, god we why as if someone was yeah, manipulating same our time, heads same we time same time we just looked at each other at the same moment
1: you know and that's that's i i do there's a few movies that we'll see every now and then and i'll just at some point look over at my dad who does not have a poker face mm. and i'll look over at him and i'm like oh leonard's mad like <laughs> he does not want to be here anymore uh, and that's funny. It's also fun to see stuff as a family with my mom and my dad, uh, because my mom also—I mean, completely different. You know, so listening to her sometimes in a movie is really funny. And now that I'm married, when the four of us are sitting together watching my husband, watching my dad, watching my mom, yeah. like, and trying to read what everyone's feeling. Yeah. I, the movie I bring up often because to me it's proof that a good movie is a good movie. My my mom and my dad and I saw The Hangover together. Mm and that was an early screening, you know, room of critics, and they were, the three of us were laughing. Now, uh, my mom is the most conservative in the sense that I know that penis and and dirty jokes and stuff will bug her. Uh My dad is sort of in the middle because he doesn't have a choice but to watch a lot of this stuff because it is what it is. And I'm probably the least affected because I've grown up in what I've grown up in and I've given up hope. So the fact that the three of us could laugh because it's genuinely funny and well-written and well-acted and well-done. It's like, see, because a good movie is a good movie, mm. you mm. know? And it doesn't have to be Citizen Kane. It can be something else. Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall is another one we saw all together and laughed and had a really good time, you know?
3: I think what, uh, what one, one of my early memories uh, of you and why I really gravitated towards you as a, a film fan was uh, is you did the Roger Corman DVDs special features. And I remember going, well, Leonard think I think those were originally done on VHS. Were they on VHS? Okay, all right, all right. But I remember watching, I think it was Death Race 2000, and you had an interview with Roger. And I was like, well, Leonard's bringing a lot of respect to Roger Corman movies, and I love Roger Corman movies, so if he can bring that respect, then my respect for Roger Corman movies is also legit. Yeah! (laughs) And you guys, you know... Like, The Hangover is a good movie, is a good movie, is a good movie. Yeah. And you can treat that just the way you would um,
2: a, a classic, Citizen Kane, yeah. since you yeah. mentioned it. Well, well I don't look. know that we want to be quoted yeah, on the right. record right. as <laughs> no. <right>. uttering those <laughs> hey, two titles in the same <laughs> sense. No, nope, I've done it. I'm putting it on a poster. Your
1: you, you review of Gemini Man. Yeah. Uh, you showed it in class, and this, this is a perfect example to me. My dad said to me, he goes, it's not anything special, special, you know? It's not something... He had a good time, and he enjoyed himself, and he liked Will Smith, and he thought that the uh, that the special effects yeah. and the technology was incredible. In the end, Yeah. people bashed the crap out of that movie. You can bring movie. it on over. Yeah, yeah you can break yeah. the
3: line. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Sorry.
1: No.
3: People right. bashed
1: the crap the out of that movie. Wings
3: is over here. Right there. Thank you.
1: <laughs> that's where wings, yeah, that's so where like wings live. That's where wings live. Uh, but we have the v- same v- thing. V- v-
3: just v- just okay. pop them down here. Thank, you, thank, thank you, you, it not a you. problem. you. Guys enjoy? Um,
1: yeah. So something that I appreciate about my dad is that that's how he looks at things. Um, you know, even in, in your Ford v Ferrari review, it's the same thing. It's like it's a good movie. And I, I, even when we saw it in Telluride, some people said to me, oh, I can't, because those folks don't really want to see blockbuster-ish, you know. To me, it's really well done. It's really well acted. It's a little long, but it's a good movie. And we often talk about the fact that escapism is not a negative, it's not a negative. I love escapism. Frankly, I prefer it, especially now with everything that goes on. I want to escape. I don't want to watch dystopian society, governments killing us. Like, no, I'm really excited about watching something that's just fun.
3: Right. So yeah. while The Hangover and Citizen Kane shouldn't live on the same <laughs> shelf next to each other...
2: They you, should it should both have... Uh, an opportunity to exist. Yes, <laughs> yes they should. right.
3: Yeah. Uh, and and thrive. And thrive. And you can watch something like that or Death Race 2000 or, or, or whatever and recognize that it's succeeding on
2: its own merits? Yes, yeah. exactly. I mean, and you have to take each film on its own terms. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: If you're going to watch a, a cheesy, you know, uh, action movie, then... You know, enjoy what it is, mm-hmm. yeah. not what it isn't. And I think
1: that's what something you teach your students. I, I really think that that's something that he imparts. It's that, again, I mean, we're sitting in this room surrounded by movie posters. Yeah, all good and, movies.
3: And, you know. <laughs> 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 Uh, I'm just saying, Star Trek Into Darkness is perfect. I'm
1: just going to put it out there that the Lone Ranger <laughs> is to the, to the right of uh, your head, Daddy, uh, and I am sorry. Uh. Yeah, but I mean, but but that's the thing, though. You've got Underworld, mm-hmm. you've got uh, Clash of the Titans, you've mm-hmm. got Narnia, you've got a day, Good Day to Die Hard, Haunted House, like all these different things. And you know what? If someone comes up to me and says. I really enjoyed Hidden Figures. I thought it was a beautiful film. Great, I'm so glad that worked for you. RBG documentaries in front of us. Great, I'm glad that worked for you. Dallas Buyers Club, Her. You know, it goes on. But then you've also got Doctor Strange, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, there's all sorts of stuff around us. Uh, The Artist is a beautiful movie, you know? Then you got this means war above it. Yes, yes. Not necessarily a wonderful, but but the point being sure. that you're allowed to enjoy all of these things, and if anybody tells you they're not, that's their problem.
3: How, how do you feel when a conversation comes into the you know the film Twitterverse, uh, like what's happening with Marvel and Martin Scorsese right now, mm-hmm. and how like? You know, for whatever reason, that quote like caught like wildfire, and now that's all anybody wants to talk idiotic. about. Idiotic! It's idiotic. Y- yeah, is what it is.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, Cargill is one of my favorite humans on yes. the planet, mm-hmm. and on the day that everybody is losing their minds, he said, "Yeah, something like yeah." Martin Scorsese, what have you made lately? That's so. Br- oh, that's right. Everything you do, mm-hmm. and that's it. Is and I'll tell you, this is something that's come up more than once where I am the daughter of a journalist, so when I see something, I want the whole story. And more and more, nobody has that. Mm-hmm. When, it's a few months ago, what was it for you and Pete, they wanted you to look at the Steven Spielberg saying that uh, uh Netflix, movies. Netflix movie should oh, not yeah. be to ever- find that quote, yeah, I yeah. dare you, yeah. it's not there. They took pieces and bits, and you know what? Yeah, maybe he said something along those lines, but point being, at no no time was he like, hello everyone, Steven Spielberg here, Netflix is stupid. Never happened. Martin Scorsese, if you look at the entirety of what he's talking about, he's saying that people don't take the same risks, which is true, Mm -hmm. because movies have to make so much money now. They have to make so much money. He's
2: talking about the individual, the loss of individuality, individual expression, an an artist's expression. Right.
1: That now they're thinking about, well, this has to do well in Asia. You know, if if this movie doesn't do well in Asia, then we're not going to make enough money back to do this, this, and this. Right. And, you know, he's not wrong.
3: Right. And then, well, he puts out that uh, New York Times op-ed piece yes. where he really does get the space and the time yep. to address what he's saying. Right. So that comes out, but then it's like, well, now here's a headline about Will, what Willem Dafoe saying so about comic stupid. book movies. And it just so seems, stupid. it's so frustrating when we then have the longer conversation. Yeah. But then we ignore the longer conversation that's to what keep happens. the small bite going. All right.
1: This is... In the past 20 years, I've saved this. In the past 20 years, as we all know, the movie business has changed on all fronts. But the most ominous change has happened stealthily and under cover of night, the gradual but steady elimination of risk. Many films today are perfect products manufactured for immediate consumption. Many of them are well-made by teams of talented individuals. All the same, they lack something essential to cinema, the unifying vision of an individual artist. Because, of course, the individual artist is the riskiest factor of all. For anyone who dreams of making movies or who is just starting out, the situation at this moment is brutal and inhospitable to art. And the act of simply writing those words fills me with terrible sadness. Mm. Martin Scorsese. He's not wrong. And, yes, there are people... Kevin Feige is an inspiring man. A very inspiring man.
2: He's the head of Marvel Entertainment. You know,
1: we've had him on our show. He, he's a USC alumni and brings all of the movies to my dad's class. Listening to him is a joy because this is his passion. He is every bit the film nerd yes. that we are.
3: And he brings art and to what he is he doing.
1: 100, I mean, to bring in someone like Taika Waititi to do Thor, not everybody would have the nerve to do that. But same with the Russo brothers. He doesn't, I mean, Kevin doesn't play it safe. He really doesn't. But what Martin Scorsese is saying is that it's a difficult place to be. And people do, it drives me crazy. People love to run with what they read. And no one checks, where did this come from? Tell me more. Mm -hmm. They say, I was raised by journalists who say things like, where did you read that? And... Did you see the whole thing? Yeah. And where was that published? Game
2: of t- Telephone. But that's it. Yeah.
1: Where right. was that published? Mm-hmm. One Me- of
2: the films that I, I, I mourn over,
1: uh,
2: Martin Scorsese's the, the Silence. Oh, yeah. The sil- I think The Silence is a great movie. And it came out very late in the year, several years ago, late in December. Uh, I was, I'm a member of the LA Film Critics Association, and we all got a save-the-date email when it was coming down to the wire, uh, for us to see it in time for our vote, our annual vote. And we, they screened it at Paramount Studios at 11 a.m. on, I think, a Thursday. And I'm so glad I saw it the way I did, because I was wide awake, no distractions, uh, I wasn't feeling uh, spent, as I might have had. i seen three other movies <laughs> just before the same day, uh, and I gave it my total, un, you know, uh, focused attention, and uh, it just uh, wove a spell for me, and, and I thought th- 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 it's a beautiful, beautiful movie, and during that awards season, I kept saying to people, have you seen... Did you, did you watch it at home on a screener? Yeah, I did. Wrong movie to do that with. Mm-hmm. The wrong movie to do that with. Just as somebody called me and said, have you seen Michael Lee's new movie yet, Mr. Turner? I said, no. I said, don't watch it at home. <laughs> don't, don't watch the DVD. Be sure you go see it in a screening room or a theater. And I, my wife and I caught the last Los Angeles uh, screening of the year, that calendar year, mm-hmm. with... Uh, with great anticipation, because we're big Mike Lee fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Timothy Spall gives a performance that, if there were any justice, would have won an <laughs> Academy Award. That is an extraordinary, transformational uh, performance in a film that's exquisite. Mike Lee is the first time he shot, he and his longtime cinematographer, uh, uh, Dick Pope. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I want to say Bill Pope, who was also a cinematographer. It's right. Dick Pope. Dick
3: Pope, yeah. Bill uh,
2: Pump's Baby Driver. Right. They huh. they, uh, had never worked in a digital form before, and they were worried about it because they wanted to get the the, the look of Turner's paintings. Yeah. And they made tests, and they were very pleased with the tests, surprised and pleased. And the film is exquisite. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yet it was very little seen and very little praised. Uh but it's, it's a great movie. Well, that's where you come in as a champion of those films. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And, you know, when, you, when Scorsese has an experience like he does with Silence, where he does finally make a film he had been spending yeah. nearly half his life making, or wanting to make, and then it comes out and it's sort of just not seen. Yeah. And, and they made it for no money. And they made it for no yeah. money. And now he's got The Irishman, he's taking it, you know, and it's a Netflix movie. Netflix gave him the ability to do it. I still want to see it in theaters, and thankfully Netflix has allowed some art house theaters to play yep. it, uh, and I have seen it on the big screen, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But most people are going to see it on the, on the small screen and have that kind of, like, oh, don't, don't watch it that way, or if you're going to watch it, you've got to give it your attention. So how are you feeling about movies that are going directly
2: into the television? C'est la vie. I yeah. can't stop it. Mm-hmm. I can't change it. And uh, you have to adapt. You have to adapt. Uh, I, I I try. To, there's there are certain movies I try to hold out for seeing, you know, on a big screen uh, every year. Or even looking back uh, to uh, films of the 50s or 60s, there's some that I, I would never watch on on a DVD or Blu-ray or on a satellite channel or streaming. Uh, I'd rather wait until American Cinematheque or mm-hmm. UCLA Film Archive in Los Angeles. Or, or maybe an Alamo mm-hmm. uh, chooses to show it widescreen. Uh, I'd rather not see it. And uh, and I've ticked off some of those over the years, one by one, and I'm glad I waited. Uh, if, if you see, we did a... Uh, uh, at the TCM Film Festival, we did a widescreen show, different formatted widescreen, uh, like a 90... 90-minute to 100-minute presentation of great widescreen sequences. Mm -hmm. Starting with uh, Abelganza's triptych from Napoleon Mm. and going through The Robe, the first Cinemascope, official Cinemascope movie. Uh, And uh, and I think we ended with The Chariot Race from Ben-Hur. If you see The Chariot Race from Ben-Hur...
1: You're ducking. On a
2: big screen. You're you're ducking and weaving. It is a visceral experience. have not had the pleasure yet. Makes
1: you nauseous, I will warn you
2: it's uh, uh it's one of those 50s uh, epics or biblical films that doesn't hold up 100% Maybe, but that scene is like there's no the it's a scene even that, that scene, scene is nuts. as good yeah. as it gets yeah and, it's intense and yeah. And there's no there's no trickery at work uh there's no you know elsewhere in the film they do use mats some other optical effects but not in that scene uh, it's uh, it's an incredible piece of cinema.
3: So what I'm hearing is that, <laughs> given the turmoil of how films are being distributed, how the people, how we're, how we're experiencing movies now, you're still both very, optimistic and hopeful for the art form.
4: Of course. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: you are talented people, all over the world.
1: And I think that that's part of why, to me, Alamo is incredibly important because. You know, we have, we have Arclight in LA, and Arclight is very nice, but it's not this. Going to Alamo is an experience. I mean, even the fact that it's dinner and a movie, it's like, it's not the same thing. And inevitably, people talk to each other, and they walk around, and there's art in the lobby. You know, there's a lot there, and that's where a lot of my faith is, is that there are enough people who want these things. And you know, we put on our own film festival this year for the first time, Malton Fest.
2: Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. you. Oh, it's nothing. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) He can say that. Um, It was exhausting and wonderful. And for me, the greatest thing in the world is watching a wonderful movie with an audience you know? Yeah. Agreed. And that was, people kept asking us before before it was going to happen, are you going to be there all weekend? Which was hilarious because I was I was doing all the <laughs> tickets. I had all the badges and the tickets. I was standing out front the entire time. My dad was in the theater the entire time and if I'd come in and I'd pop my head and he'd be standing up going, hi, how <laughs> hey, you just shaking hands. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. You know, my mom was walking back and forth taking care of stuff and being the way she is, hostess with the mostest. And it's like, because that to us is what we wanted. We also didn't want to have back-to-back-to-back to because back to back, we wanted people to hang out and talk, you know? One of the coolest things to me was watching my friends make friends with each other and walking away and, and new people we don't know, of course, too, coming in and just hanging out. I had somebody write to me um, from Austin, a young a young guy, and he said, because we did, I, I wanted to make, if I could have, I would have made everything free. I really, that's what I want to be able to do one day. Um, but I, I did uh, twenty five dollars for students, and I extended that to all film teachers, and eventually for the whole weekend. Yeah. yeah, and just as much as we could, you know. And this kid wrote to me and he said, "I'm bringing my mom to Malton Fest from Austin, Texas. It's her Mother's Day gift. Is there any way that I could get a deal on her ticket? I'm so sorry to ask." So I said, "Well, I'll give it to you for free because are you kidding? Of course, you know." And then I got to meet them and hug them, and it's like that is what I love. And if we can do anything, it's share our love of movies and meet wonderful people. And that is how you keep it all alive. It's also important to not just be online because that can be a scary place. When you're together in real life, you know, it's happy. It's nice. Right.
3: The conversations you have in person in a lobby are a lot different than what you have on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that.
1: Well, there's also just the respect of if you don't like something and I do... That's okay. Sure. But what someone will say to you online, they'd never have the nerve to say to you in person. Sure. You know, so you bring it to, to real life. That's what's fun.
3: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really, really appreciate it. You, you give me passion. You give me hope. Um, and, and sometimes it's so easy to fall into, like, the depressive. Of course. Um, of course and, it is. And it's nice to celebrate. I'm really excited yeah. about your talk tonight. Can't wait to watch the secret screening. Shh. It's a good movie. Uh, so let's get you guys out of here so you can go uh, continue the celebration. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: And I should also just point out you're why we're here. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, say anything. I, mean I, I, I will. You're the reason that we're here because Thank you were you a part of this thing that I did on our website, New Voices. And then you hooked us up with Andy here at Alamo. So you're why we're sitting here right now.
3: Well, thank you for giving me that credit. It's on record. I'm going to take it. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Alamo Draft House, you guys, movies, love That's everything. Right. Thank you. Oh man, Brian! Like you were saying, so,
0: surreal. It's so awesome.
3: Very surreal conversation. Uh, while I was having that chat with Leonard and Jesse, Brian was filming the whole thing. Yes. I wanted you to get in on that conversation, but you were playing I director.
0: I know, I know. And actually, you can uh, you can check that video should be up um, now on our Facebook uh, page. So definitely check that out. I made a little little video uh, with the Leonard Moulton visit to the Alamo Draft House in Winchester. So definitely check that out. But that was surreal. And the odd thing about it is like once we finished the conversation, that conversation continued after we finished recording, which I was able to jump in on a little so, bit. So
3: like the craziest thing about this entire event and, you know, Jesse was super nice to give uh, yeah. give us props on this. But, you know, uh, a couple years ago, was it a couple years ago or a year ago, Leonard and Jesse did this program where they invited new voices in film criticism mm, to contribute to yeah. their website. I submitted uh, an article about Harlan Ellison and LQ Jones's A Boy and His Dog. They accepted it, put it out on their website. We then went to uh California for San Diego Comic-Con, and we met up with Leonard and Jesse at their panel, their You're Wrong Leonard Moulton panel, yep. and that was an awesome panel, Yeah, how great it is to for Leonard's fans to get up to him and tell him why his reviews are wrong headed and have him defend himself. Yes. Uh, And then after that, we, you know, met up briefly, shook hands, took photos, Mm -hmm. very strange and surreal. Right. Absolutely. And then we would see them at fantastic fest every year because they're kind of staples of that festival. And when they came to the Alamo draft house, that started because I sent an email to Jesse and said, "Hey, I know this guy, Andy. He would love to have you guys out. Maybe you can make this work." And they made it work, and they came out. And Jesse gave me, you know, uh, was was said that I I helped in that endeavor. Yeah, you know, that's that's very surreal. It's very yeah. strange. It's wonderful. Then they come out and we have those two screenings, and Andy and I just attached ourselves to the hips of Leonard and Jesse. And we gave them a huge tour of Winchester. And we went out to the university and I've spoken about this on our, other podcasts, uh, The podcasts Modcasts, Week in Dork, mm-hmm. about the VR yeah, that the- we experienced and how strange and wonderful and the future of that storytelling medium. And we went to restaurants and we ate shrimp and grits together and we went to bookstores together. We just did like two full days uh, where we were going to like absorb all the life energy of the Maltons. <laughs> and they were so generous. And I am so thankful that they gave us that time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think this was a great chat to for, for episode 50, right? Because they love film, and it's so important to them to uh, highlight and lift up the art that they love, to introduce the art that they love, like Alexander Payne's um, Citizen Ruth to people who may or may not have seen yeah. it before. That's what we try to do here on In the Mouth of Darkness. And it was very important to me that even though Lisa was not uh, able to attend this interview and that event because she was bringing home that bacon, That's as she right. does, right. uh, it was very important to me to get Lisa onto this intro and outro because we, me and her, launched this podcast a When we went to Sundance last year in 2019, our first episode was an interview in Park City with Alexander O'Felipe about his film Memory, The Origins of Alien. We interviewed Ray Romano and Mark Duplass and Alex Lehman for Paddleton on episode two.
4: We just dropped the episode we did with Irene Brodsky. Yeah,
3: not too long ago uh, about, uh, what was that film called? Um,
4: Moonlight Sonata, Deafness in Three Movements. It's gorgeous.
3: Uh, one of the most unique interviews that we ever did on the phone, on the side of a highway or, or, or a busy street in Utah, freezing outside. That's just one of my favorite memories that this podcast has has, has gifted us. And uh, yeah, Lisa, I just, what has what this podcast meant to you?
4: Um, I love the opportunities it's brought to me personally getting to talk to Takashi Miike. Dude. Getting to talk to Bong Joon-ho. Dude. I can't wait to re-release that episode when he wins Best Foreign Film and perhaps Best Picture and at best the Director Oscars. Best Director and uh, yeah. Best
3: Everything. That's yeah. going to be
4: amazing. Um, all of the beautiful times that our collaboration with um, Alamo Winchester has brought us getting to hang out with Matthew Modine, getting to hang out with Joe Kelly, a legend in comics for his film based on his comic, I Kill Giants.
3: Co-creator of Deadpool. No Amazing. big deal. Yeah.
4: Amazing. So I can't wait to see what... Fruits this brings in the future.
3: Yeah, Lisa and I are about to uh, just in, in, in a matter of days return to Sundance Film Festival our second time, and we haven't locked down any interviews yet. What? But fingers crossed, we've got some. We got some big names out there. Listen yeah. to our weekend dork episode where I spoiled who I've submitted to. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I I, I just. It's been
4: really, really special, and we've loved sharing these episodes and these chats with you. I personally find it very motivating talking to creative people who are passionate about what they've put out there, and they have their own tips and tricks and ideologies to making your art happen, Mm -hmm. and um, that really drives me to um, realize some of my own dreams
3: and Brian, we got to get you into more conversations. I know you did one of my favorite episodes where that we was... spoke to producer uh, actor uh, uh, Jerry G. Angelo of yeah. the film Arctic.
0: Yeah, the genre blast. That yeah. was that was awesome. Yeah, that was my first uh, my first chat cast. That was that was uh, that was that was cool to be a part of.
3: Yeah, uh, very like it's definitely one of my favorite memories. Yeah. So we need you to get back onto more chat casts.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to, <laughs> you know, possibly some some interesting ones. So those
4: of you Malton heads who have just jumped onto this pod, go back through our back catalog. You will be shocked by the names that are on there. We high fives our ourselves every day for the names that are on there, and um, and I can't wait to see what happens for these people in the future as their careers progress.
3: Uh, we also have to. Send some love to the dork who's not here right now. Yeah. Billy Dash. indie
4: Dork. Yeah, these chat casts are his baby. Oh,
0: absolutely.
3: And and they started on our other uh, ItModcast feed. Um, technically, I guess Darren and I launched it with our very first interview many years ago, five years ago with David Fergario over the film The Signal. Yeah. But it was Billy who really went gung-ho for these interviews and got some. Crazy guests right out of the gate, and we've we've been doing interviews like consistently because of his hard work.
0: Yeah, I mean he, he puts in a lot. <laughs> Thanks, a, Billy. Yeah, he yeah. put he puts in the legwork, man. Yeah, to get so a lot of go stuff. follow
3: Billy Das at WB Das. I wanted to get him on this episode, but our schedules have just been nuts. Yeah, uh, and we couldn't make it work. Uh, but yeah, there you go. So next week, who is going to be on the podcast? Oh. My God. Lisa's dreams came true. Her teenage girl dreams she got to speak to at Fantastic Fest. Yes, that's right. We're still bringing you Fantastic Fest interviews. Justin Long. Oh.
4: I swooned. He's Uh. petite. And we
3: did not know we were going to be interviewing him until he walked in the door, because we thought we were just going to be talking to the writer and directors of The Wave, which just came out on VOD and is playing in select theaters. Super
4: psychedelic, Uh, trippy, trippy movie. Yeah,
3: uh, Gilly Claybin and Carl W. Lucas. And they walked in the door, and then the star of the film, Justin Long, walked in the door,
0: and Lisa's jaw.
4: Dropped. I was very cool. Nobody could tell that I was losing my shit.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. You held it up. That's great.
4: Yeah, well, I, I'm nothing if not poised. So that <laughs> chat
3: cast will be coming next week. And then the week after that is another really bizarre, wonderful, Fantastic Fest conversation. This is
4: where, where Brad was swooning. Uh,
3: it, this is this is unreal. We we spoke to uh, writer-director Jack Henry Robbins about his film VHS, yeah. as well as his father, Tim Robbins, who co-stars in the movie.
4: Get your patchouli stink out of my store.
3: (laughs) I mean, you're going to hear this interview. You're going to hear Brad starstruck
4: <laughs> like
3: it's it's embarrassing and i know if you've been listening to the itmon chatcast channel for these last 50 episodes you've heard me be starstruck and awkward and weird and uncomfortable and terrible many times this is one of the strangest ones <laughs> uh,
4: you're always wonderful
3: yes 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 and so that that is something to really look forward to and then hopefully we we nab some really cool chats in sundance and we bring you those too because and actually, we also have Richard Stanley and the entire cast of VFW oh, yeah. in our near future. That's
4: really where that'll, Brad was losing his marbles. Yeah.
0: I can imagine.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll be dropping in February on the 14th when that film drops. So there you go. 50 well, episodes.
0: The road to 100 begins. The
3: road to 100 begins. <laughs> to those that have been with us since Alexander O'Felipe, we thank you. Share these episodes with your yeah. friends. Share them with your family. Yeah. Write us a review. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would be a
4: really great 50th episode gift. We a five-star review. Five-star reviews. With some nice compliments. We could use those. We could always
3: <laughs> use more words of affirmation. Um, Brian. Yes, sir. Where can our listeners find your works of art online?
0: Well, you can find me on Twitter at... The Turtle Dork at, on Instagram at The Turtle Dork One, on Facebook at Brian William Young. Also, uh, with uh, In the Mouth of Darkness, uh, check out the, the YouTube page where you can find a lot of my reactions, some reviews. We have um, reviews and reactions for some of the uh, streaming shows. Me and Disco just finished up Mandalorian Season One. Looking forward to what we're going to bring you guys later this year with Falcon Winter Soldier, Ma- Mandalorian Season Two, WandaVision, a lot of stuff coming down the pike um, on the YouTube channel so check me out there and Letterboxd as well
3: and Letterboxd Lisa (laughs) are you on Letterboxd?
4: I am I am on Twitter, Instagram and Letterboxd at Sidewalk Siren and if I may plug plug our podcast Brad and I have a podcast Comic Book Couples Counseling where we talk comics and we talk being in love yeah right (laughs) now at CBCC Podcast
3: we're covering Rogan Gambit of the Uncanny X-Men
4: that's right.
3: Nice. Sherry. Cherie. I don't Sugar. think. I think it, I've been told that it's actually just called Shea.
4: Those comic book people they really love correcting us on twitter it feels great
3: they love it. Uh, I, I love it i love it i love it of course follow billy das at wb das on instagram and twitter darren smith at the disco dork yeah uh, and i am brad gullickson at MouthDork on all social medias and until next time guys take care
2: visions are worth fighting for
3: why spend your life making someone else's dreams